Uh, our our next guest, John Tufel, uh, uh, he's an attorney who has followed the workings of the NYPD closely uh, for over 20 years. Um, in in his youth, he worked at the Civilian Complaint Review Board and has done more uh, important litigating since then. Won a, a, a big lawsuit several years ago that forced the NYPD to divulge a lot of its uh, disciplinary records. It's been a huge help to activists trying to hold the NYPD accountable. And in his cover story uh, for the new issue of The Independent, uh, the headline reads, Inside Cop Court, How the NYPD's Internal Trial for Two Killer Cops Became a Theater of the Absurd. John was there every day uh, during this departmental trial that the NYPD held for uh, two officers uh, implicated in the uh, killing of a, a Bronx man in his kitchen. Um, and so we're going to talk about that in a minute. And we also want to talk about what's going on at the NYPD with the departure of their police commissioner, uh, a surprise announcement last week. Uh, John Tufel, welcome back to the Independent News Hour. Thank you, John. So good to be here, as always. Yes. So before we get to uh, talking about uh, your really uh, remarkable cover story in this month's issue, uh, the the big news from last week, uh, Commissioner, Police Commissioner Kichant Sewell uh, resigning, headed out the door. What's your take on this? What's going on over at the police department? Yeah, it's wild, right? Um, I mean, I don't have any inside scoop on this. I just know what I've read, but it certainly is a lot of tea. It's a lot like it really, the NYPD is pouring it hot, as the kids say. Um, it's been really interesting. I mean, the timing of this is, is, uh, I don't know. It's very suggestive because, uh, just a couple of weeks prior, you know, Sewell came out and uh, basically it was reported that she wanted to punish Jeffrey Madry, who is the third highest ranking uh, officer in the NYPD, uh, for his decision to void an arrest of an officer that he was friends with, who had chased a bunch of kids through a neighborhood, uh, allegedly while holding his gun. And uh, the CCRB had recommended that Madry lose some vacation time, and Sewell said, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And Madry, we know, is tight with Eric Adams. And what I find interesting here uh, is that when Sewell made this decision that she was going to punish Madry, that she was going to, to go with what the CCRB had recommended, she had to have known that this was going to be something that was highly controversial. Um, she knows how powerful Madri is. He has a long career in the NYPD. Uh, he is very close with Eric Adams. Uh, and, you know, she decided to do it anyway. And, I mean, even think about just the, you know, we all have jobs, right? Even think about how her and Madri, she was the first ranking or is the first ranking in the department. Madri is the third highest ranking. And just think about the awkwardness there, that she is publicly punishing him in such a manner. And so she must have known that this was going to be a very uh, controversial thing for her to do, and she did it anyway. And, you know, the reporting on this has kind of said that it, this this very well could have been part of it, but it was a lot of things that she had tried to promote certain individuals. Eric Adams wouldn't allow it. Um, there was a controversy that she wanted to uh 
keep a requirement that officers have to run a mile and a half in 14 minutes, which, listen, I don't know if I could do that, but I am also a heavy smoker. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that crazy to require us to do that. But she wanted to keep that in place. And uh, Eric Adams agreed with uh, the training officer to get rid of that requirement. So she was being undermined, you know, left and right, uh, it sounds like. Um, I don't know. The reporting has seemed to indicate that Adams and Philip Banks, who has a very um, spotty and kind of corrupt or corrupt adjacent history um, are the ones running this department. And so whoever is going to be the next police commissioner is going to have to take that job, knowing that they're just going to be a figurehead and that they are not the real uh, person running this department, that they can show up to events, you know, do whatever the NYPD equivalent of cutting a ribbon is. And that's that. And Eric Adams will run this department as the former police officer that he is. So, I mean, it really can, is uh, clean up after the robot dogs. Right, exactly. Clean up after the robot dogs. You know, one thing that was, I think the Daily News reported this, was that, you know, it really does feel like there are hard feelings here on both sides. I mean, Sewell showed up at at an NYPD LGBTQ pride event, which... You should see how uh, hard I'm rolling my eyes at that right now. But had uh, showed up at an NYPD Pride event. Yeah, let us not forget that Pride began uh, with a riot against the NYPD. Right, exactly. I mean, please, yeah, please spare me the NYPD Pride events. Please spare me the cars that have the rainbow on them. Um, But regardless. So she showed up and she stayed in the back of the room. Leadership was at the front. Uh, I believe Madry was there. Banks was there and everybody ignored her. Everyone gave her the cold shoulder. Uh, she left shortly thereafter. Um, so I mean, and she also did not mention the mayor in her uh, resignation statement. So everything I could see here, you know, it indicates that there are hard feelings and I'm sure Eric Adams was blindsided by this. And, you know, I mean, he's lost a lot of high ranking people in his administration. It seems as though he's very difficult to work for. Perhaps that should not be surprising as he seems to be out of his mind. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's just another resignation in Eric Adams administration. So a lot of chaos happening there. Right now, uh, during her time uh, as police commissioner, uh, Kichant Sewell, in general, was very, um, how should we say, uh, a lax around uh, police discipline. I mean, she overruled the CCRB uh, uh, more than uh, any of her recent uh, police commissioner predecessors. Uh, and uh, speaking of the CCRB, a very controversial case that Sewell was going to have to uh, uh, resolve until her resignation uh, unfolded uh, recently in a departmental trial in the uh, police killing of Kowalski uh, Trawick five years ago uh, in his apartment in the Bronx. Uh, Can you just briefly describe uh, the the original incident, how these two police officers uh, uh, broke down the door to Trawick's apartment, even though they didn't have any search warrant and, uh, he was dead in his own kitchen uh, in less than two minutes. Yeah, it, it's awful. Um, the incident itself is a bit complicated, but I'll try to just make it um, 
yeah, I'll try to really boil it down, but, and there is video of a lot of this, which, you know, I linked to it in my article and it's an awful, awful video, but, um, you know, you should watch it if you're interested in seeing what happened. But effectively what happened is, uh, Mr. Trawick, who, you know, is a black, was a black man and a gay man, um, was in his apartment. He was cooking. He locked himself out of his apartment. He, uh, went down and knocked on the door of, uh, his super who lived in the building. His super's, they're actually his super's office. Sorry. So, uh, the super said he couldn't help him get back into his apartment. Um, the super, called 911 and said that he was being uh harassed by Mr. Trawick. Uh Mr. Trawick called the FDNY. Um he did say and I mean I'll just in the interest of full disclosure I'm not apologizing for anyone here but he did say that his apartment was uh either on fire or could be on fire soon because he had been cooking. Uh, and the FDNY showed up. Um, they let him back into his apartment. He went inside and that was it. I mean, should he have said that the, there was a fire? Probably not, but it's irrelevant as we'll soon find out. So, uh, he went into his apartment, shut the door. He's back in. That's it. Incident over. The police, two officers, Brendan Thompson and Herbert Davis showed up shortly thereafter. Um, they did not speak to the firefighters. They were just there responding to this alleged harassment uh, that occurred. That was uh, the result of the call from the superintendent. So they go to the door. They push the door open. So right off the bat, you've got no search warrant. You've got no arrest warrant. You did not see an individual commit a crime. You really don't even have reasonable suspicion to make an arrest, much less uh, probable cause. So you are, um, and these officers chose to push this door open. Now, Trawick was in his kitchen. He looks at the officers, as I believe most of us would do. He starts asking what they are doing there. What are you doing in my apartment? What's going on here? The officers, Mr. Trawick is holding a knife at the time, which, by the way, is not a crime to hold a knife. I'm in my home right now, and there's a bunch of knives in the kitchen. You are allowed to hold a knife in your kitchen. The officers start telling him, drop the knife, drop the knife. He starts, he keeps saying, what are you doing here? Why are you in my apartment? Why are you entering my apartment? Now, again, I, this is going long. I, I understand. So let me cut this to the chase. Thompson, the officer Thompson, decides to tase Trawick. Uh, the other officer, Davis, tells him not to tase him, says no. Thompson does it anyway. Trawick falls to the ground, shoots up again after being tased, is freaking out at this point, terrified, as I think anyone would be, runs to the back of his apartment, runs back into his kitchen, uh, uh, Thompson, I want to get, I want to be very careful. Thompson pulls his gun. Again, Davis says, no, no, no. Goes so far as to hold his hand in front of the gun, in front of Thompson's gun, indicating do not shoot this man. He shoots him four times. Uh, a bullet went through Mr. Trog's heart and he bled out on the floor of his own apartment. The officers went into the hallway. They did not render medical aid. They did not try to assist Mr. Thompson. They called uh, their supervisors. And this, by the way, is caught on camera. A supervisor shows up and asks who was shot. 
Both of the officers in unison, like puppets, say, nobody, just a perp, which what a heartless way to think about this. So the CCRB charged them with an unlawful entry, excessive force, and a failure to render medical aid, and that was the trial that I attended, the disciplinary trial. Right, and uh, um, uh, Officer uh, Thompson, the one who uh, pulled the trigger, uh, he was uh, the younger of the two officers, and he was white, and uh, Herbert Davis was um, a 16-year veteran of the force. He was black, so you yes. kind of have the... The, the trigger happy younger white cop who was the one who uh, um, fired the deadly shots, but of course they both um, chose to enter this apartment and at no point just d- decided uh, that they should just close the door and go away. Um, exactly. Unfortunately, we are down to our final minute, but oh. real quickly, the 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 most uh, amazing part of your story is uh, at the point of the trial in which Officer Davis, the cop who did not who the cop who tried to uh, prevent the shooting uh, uh, admitted on the stand that they had made a number of mistakes and, and basically guess. sounded like he was about to throw his partner under the bus and th- and was going to um, disregard the blue wall of silence, <clears throat> the blue wall of silence to come clean on what had happened. Can you quickly? Yes, uh, John, I, yeah, I'll be very quick, but it was a shocking moment in that, uh, I don't even want to call it a courtroom, uh, that administrative procedure room, but yes, uh, Davis, while he was on the stand, admitted, admitted that they should not have tased him and admitted that they should not have shot him, that it was a mistake to shoot Mr. Trollick and, there was an audible gasp in that room uh, when he admitted that. We broke for a bathroom break shortly thereafter, came back in about 10, 15 minutes. He's back on the stand. When questioning resumed, he took it all back. He said, no, it wasn't a mistake. So CCRB, I mean, the gasp was even more audible that second time. It was even louder. He had breached the blue wall of silence, admitted that they had made a mistake, which clearly, if you watch this video, Davis did not want this young man shot and and did not want this young man tased even. So his testimony in that sense was not much of a surprise. But what was surprising was, first of all, that he was willing to admit it, and second of all, that he took it back on the stand in front of everybody. And frankly, and I'll just say this because I know we have to go, I'm a little annoyed that I'm the only one who has been covering this. I mean, this really should have been a bigger story. ProPublica, to their credit, Eric Umansky did a great piece, but this is huge. This guy, Davis, admits to killing someone, admits that his partner killed someone in error. You know, a life was lost here and then takes it back on the stand. And we're supposed to trust this system. I mean, it is really absurd, really egregious. And, you know, I hope more people talk about this as we await the final verdict on whether these cops will lose their job or not, which both of them should, even Davis. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there for now with John Tufel. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening on the Independent News Hour. I 